Over the years, the UFC has provided us with pay-per-view events so spectacular, so amazing, so incredible, that they have defined the sport and our fandom. Their best events are truly as good as mixed martial arts gets, and today we're not going to be talking about those shows. No, it's time to open up the UFC pay-per-view barrel, dump everything out, and scrape off whatever's left at the bottom. These cards we paid to see are the pinnacle of pitiful, the very top of terrible. They really suck. Nothing more needs to be said. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, and these are the 10 words UFC pay-per-views of all time. Number 10, UFC 21. The Dark Ages were some difficult times for MMA in the United States, so you really can't expect the UFC to deliver something spectacular given the circumstances at the time. But UFC 21 feels like SEG went out of their way to make this show bad. First of all, the headliner, Maurice Smith versus Marco Huis, nothing on the line, nothing could be. Smith was coming off two straight losses. Huis hadn't fought in the US or the UFC for four years. But again, the pay-per-view audience was virtually zero. The event is being held at the Five Seasons Event Center in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. What are you gonna do? It's funny, I've never never seen a show with 100% finishes that was this unappealing. Paul Jones fought Flavio Luis Mora, who was undersized and too inexperienced, an easy win and a theme on this show. Jeremy Horn had 30 pounds on Daiju Takase and over 30 fights. This was a slaughter. Pat Miletic defended his welterweight title against Andre Pedaneris, who is now a well-known coach, but at the time had only one professional fight against fucking prime Pat Miletic. This one was mercifully stopped by the doctor due to a cut. Marco Huis shredded his knee a few days before the event, they pumped him full of who knows what just so he could make it out there. After a boring first round, the drugs wore off and his corner threw in the towel. Show's over. It's amazing the UFC survived 1999. Number 9. UFC 208 I didn't want to hate UFC 208. I remember as the card came together in the months leading up to the event, I was hopeful for a solid show. It had a ton of exciting fighters. Dustin Poirier versus Jim Miller? Sign me up. Glover Teixeira, Jacare, Anderson Silva, and Jermaine Durandamy was coming into the main event for the inaugural featherweight title with two TKOs in a row, one of them a performance of the night. Holly Holm was in a weird spot having lost two straight, but it was Holly Holm. She head kicked Ronda Rousey and then did a backflip. Everybody loves her. Unfortunately, this was just one of those cards where you're waiting for it to end so you can just go to bed because you're not about to waste $60 by falling asleep before it's over. At least I can comfortably say Dustin Poirier and Jim Miller delivered. Fun scrap. The rest of the card is bad. It's really bad. Glover Teixeira completely dominated Jared Cannonier, but it was 99% control from the top. Not exactly exciting. Jacare got a slick Kimura against Tim Bosch in the first round, but it just wasn't really much of a fight. Silva versus Derek Brunson took too long to get going, and wow did the judges screw this one up. Brunson clearly won in my opinion, but then again with so little action, you can't blame them. Then, of course, the controversial main event. Durandamy twice hit home after the horn. No points were taken away, which would have resulted in a draw once the final scores were tallied. A competitive bout, but wholly unforgettable, but for the cheap shots and the Iron Lady being stripped shortly after for refusing to fight Chris Cyborg made this one feel even more pointless. You know, not one of our better events. Number 8, UFC 161. Who could have possibly predicted the UFC's first ever trip to Manitoba would be a dud? The region was starved for UFC content, so I think the promotion figured they can just put on any old show and sell tickets. UFC 161 was meant to be headlined by an interim bantamweight title fight between Hennenborough and Eddie Wineland. But a few weeks before the card, the fight was scrapped due to injury, so the co-main event was bumped up to the headliner, Rashad Evans versus Dan Henderson, in a three-rounder for the nothing championship of nothing. Unfortunately, this whole show was utterly uninteresting, minus the first-round TKO of Pat 
Pat Berry by Sean Jordan. The rest of the fights would be a slog and all decisions. Alexis Davis versus Rosie Sexton was competitive but underwhelming. Ryan Jimmo got booed in Canada in a fight he won 30-27 on all three cards. He didn't even do the robot afterwards, he was so ashamed. Stipe Miocic versus Roy Nelson sounds amazing, right? Big Country had nothing for the future champ. Stipe just completely out-technically boxed him in another fight that just wasn't exciting. There was never a moment the outcome was in question either. And finally, the main event was just plain boring. It might as well have been a sparring session. UFC 161 was a nothing night to completely forget. Number 7, UFC 112. We're headed to Fight Island for our next entry long before it was called Fight Island, of course. UFC 112 was supposed to be a landmark show for Zufa, and wow did it fail on an epic scale. The local government had just purchased a 10% stake in the promotion, and so this event was put together as a celebration and an advertisement for Abu Dhabi. The more things change, the more they stay the same. On paper, or should I say on poster, this event was a powerhouse. Matthews versus Henzo Gracie, Frankie Edgar challenging BJ Penn for the lightweight title, and the greatest fighter in the world, Anderson Silva, defending his middleweight title against Vitor Belfort, just kidding, he's hurt, Damian Maya. Problem number one, the open-air venue was hot as balls, over 100 degrees, making just about everything difficult, let alone fighting. The first two bouts on the main card, they were okay. Munoz TKO'd Kendall Grove, RDA subbed Terry Edom, but nobody bought this thing for those two fights. It was the trifecta to finish the card that mattered, and all three fights just did not deliver. Matt Hughes and Henzo Gracie, two legends, were nearly booed out of the country for their fight, Gracie had no business in the cage with Hughes, who looked like he felt bad he was beating up on Henzo. The Edgar Penn fight, which was so uneventful it was nearly impossible to score, went to Frankie controversially, at least at the time, and of course we're all well aware of how Anderson Silva absolutely lost his mind for a fight and just played games with Damian Maya until somebody put his belt around his waist. What a shit show. Is this your lowest moment as president of uh, UFC? No doubt about it, absolutely, 100%. Number 6, UFC 61. It's 2006 and the UFC is rolling. The tough boom is in effect. They're the hottest they've ever been. Honestly, UFC 61 was too big to fail. There was no way this massive card was going to underdeliver. Ken and Tito 2 coming off their season as tough three coaches. That could have easily headlined this card on its own. But no, you're not just getting that. You're getting the trilogy fight for the heavyweight title between Tim Sylvia and Andre Arlovsky 2. Now you have to look at this event with your 2006 goggles. At the time, that rivalry was one and one with two two wild fights. I know it looks a lot different in 2020, but you're also not wearing a shirt covered in skulls and tribal tattoos. On the strength of that title fight and Shamrock Ortiz, this event sold a record-breaking 775,000 pay-per-view buys. Now, let me tell you why it sucked. Joe Stevenson and Eve Edwards started the main card by blowing the roof off the place. I will not lie, that was a banger. The crowd loved it. Then things get bad. Frank Mir versus Dan Christensen was a slow, sloppy mess. Remember, this is Mir after returning from his motorcycle accident he's still not fully there yet. Josh Berkman versus Josh Neer is one of those fights smart fans call strategic, but it's just dull. Ortiz Shamrock goes 118, with Herb Dean jumping in early on Tito's ground and pound. Shamrock freaks out, the crowd loses their mind and starts chanting bullshit, but hey, it's okay, Tim Sylvia will save us. No, he will not. Unlike their previous two outings, the third fight is an absolutely boring 25-minute disaster with very little action and loud booing throughout. Can't say I recommend watching this one. Number 5. UFC 24 
You know what's the worst main event? No main event. UFC 24 on paper was built around a single fight that's historically never a good call, especially when that fight doesn't happen. Kevin Randleman was set to defend his heavyweight title against 9-0 Pedro Hizzo in the headliner, hence the pay-per-view's name, First Defense. It's a big, big fight, but the monster famously slipped backstage during the show and knocked himself out. Oops. That's okay, we have Ted Williams and Steve Judson at the top of the card. They'll surely send the people of the Lake Charles Civic center home happy. Now look, did this card suck? It had no real name power, at least for the time, although two future champions Dave Monet and Jens Pulver would appear on the undercard, but truthfully, there were some good fights that night. Little Evil put on a show, Bob Cook and Tiki Gosen had a war. The problem was there were literally no stakes for this event. There was no tournament, there was no title fight. It was just 10 guys fighting each other. After Steve Judson succumbed to, honestly, the exhaustion of being an absolute unit, the good folks of Louisiana were told the show is over and to head home. An announcement was also made on the broadcast. Unfortunately, neither of these moments appear on the Fight Pass version of the event. It was so bad, pay-per-view providers declined to offer the chance to buy UFC 24 on replay because it wasn't worth the price of having it available. Number 4. UFC 5 as much as we look fondly on the first UFC events and how they shaped the sport we love today, there were some pretty awful ones in the beginning if we're being honest. Who could forget when alternate Steve Jenham in his first bout of the night defeated Harold Howard to win UFC 3 because Ken Shamrock pulled out with an injury after winning the semifinals against an alternate because Keith Hackney got hurt and the only reason Jenham fought Howard is because he got a bye essentially when Hoist Gracie withdrew from the tournament because 4 minutes and 40 seconds with Chemo's giant ass in the quarterfinals completely exhausted him. Or how about UFC 9? The dance in Detroit. Hours before the show, a Michigan judge ruled nobody could punch each other in the face, resulting in one of the worst fights of all time, the rematch between Dan Severn and Ken Shamrock. But of all the early events in the promotion's history, the worst is without question UFC 5. The tournament itself is just not entertaining or notable. The only interesting fight Dan Severn had on his way to easily winning the whole thing was Oleg Taktarov, but that fight was forced to end due to a cut. The main attraction of the night was the first ever super fight, Ken Shamrock versus Hoist Gracie 2. Wow, did this fight shit the bed. It's essentially 36 minutes of Ken Shamrock and Hoist Gracie's guard with literally nothing else happening. Honestly, it's just awful. The fight went to a draw. Why in the world have 16.5 million people watched this fight on YouTube? Number 3. UFC 119 Remember that amazing Kimura finish of Minotaro Noguera by Frank Mir at UFC 140? The first time the legendary Brazilian had ever been submitted? Yeah, that was supposed to headline UFC 119, but Big Nog injured himself a month prior to the event, so they pulled poor Mirko Krokop off a family vacation and threw buckets of cash at him to save the card. And truthfully, the show seemed solid enough on paper. No, it wasn't. In fact, many consider this the worst pay-per-view of all time, and it's hard to argue against it. Who could have possibly predicted that Melvin Gillard and Jeremy Stevens could have a boring fight? And yet they did. Evan Dunham versus Sean Shirk was the only decent bout on the main card that the judges fucked up and gave to Shirk when Dunham was clearly the winner. Matt Sarah sadly had nothing for Chris Lytle, nor did Lil Nog for the smooth jazz stylings and 16 takedown attempts of Ryan Bader. But hey, Crow Cop and Mir in the main event? I could see that being good. No, it wasn't. It was the worst fight on the whole damn card. For the entire bout, Mir held Crow Cop against the fence until the crowd booed and Herb Dean broke them up. Rinse and repeat until four minutes into the third when Frank caught Mirko with a knee to mercy end this terrible night in Indianapolis. Number 2. UFC 33 
what a tale I have to tell you. UFC 33 was to be the jewel in Zufa's crown. Victory in Vegas, they called it. A milestone event. It would be the promotion's first ever show in the newly sanctioned fight capital of the world, Las Vegas. Not only that, but it would be the first show to have a nationwide pay-per-view distribution, and Zufa was going all out. Three title fights. Tito Ortiz, their biggest star, taking on Vitor Belfort, Jens Pulver, Chuck Liddell, Kevin Randleman. This was set up to be a classic, and wow, did it absolutely blow up right in the UFC's face. First, you can scratch Vitor from that main event. He accidentally put his arm through a window while training. That's a new one. Scrap Kevin Randleman, too, because we need his opponent, Vladimir Machishenko, to fill in against Tito, since Ken Shamrock wants $500,000 to fight him. Doomed from the start, things got even worse when every fight on the main card went to a decision, including three five-round title fights. Pulver versus Hallman for the lightweight title and Ortiz versus the janitor are two of the most uneventful and boring title fights you will ever see. Ironically, if you were watching on pay-per-view that night, you didn't see. Because the card ran so long with all these shitty decisions, the main event got cut off, sparking a barrage of angry fans to demand a refund. Victory in Vegas. Number 1. UFC 149 do you believe in curses? Well, you best start believing in them, Miss Turner, because there's no other explanation for UFC 149. It was the UFC's first trip to Calgary, Canada. We are so sorry for everything. The main event was meant to feature Jose Aldo defending his featherweight title, but Aldo had to pull out due to an injury, so in a scramble, the UFC plucked Uriah Faber and Hennem Burrell from UFC 148, put an interim bantamweight title on the line since Dominic Cruz had just injured himself again, and called it the main event. A move Faber later claimed cost him millions, as 148 was headlined by the Silva's son in rematch, and he had pay-per-view points. Ouch. Another fight on 148, Michael Bisping versus Tim Bosch. It was moved to 149 to strengthen the event, but the count was forced off the card and got replaced with a debuting Hector Lombard. Czech Congo was meant to take on Minotaro Noguera, but that fight fell apart too, and Nog was replaced with Sean Jordan. Claude Patrick was replaced by Brian Ebersol in the fight with James Head. Sexyama was scheduled to fight Thiago Alves, but they both got hurt, so that fight became Sihar Bahadurzada versus Chris Clements, until Bahadurzada was injured and replaced with Matt Riddle. Every single fight on the main card had somebody fall out. So how did this absolute Frankenstein's monster show play out? Well, Riddle and Clements was pretty uneventful until the arm triangle finish in the third, which would later be overturned because Matt likes weed. Head and Ebersol was an endless series of failed takedowns leading to a split decision. Congo versus Jordan was 15 minutes of clenching against the cage. It just killed the entire show. Bosch and Lombard were nearly booed out of the arena in a slog of a fight, and the main event never really got off the ground. I can't think of a single significant or interesting moment. It was just 25 minutes of Uriah Faber being frustrated he couldn't score a takedown. UFC 149 is the worst pay-per-view in UFC history, and may the MMA gods have mercy on our souls for having witnessed it. If, if the undercard wasn't as shitty as it was, it, uh, it wouldn't have been so bad. Huge shout out to Max Randall for editing this video together. Follow him on Twitter at Max underscore Randall. A big, big thank you to Ben Rosette, who provided that sweet tune you heard in the intro. Check out his music by clicking the link in the description and go give him a follow on his Instagram and Twitter page at Ben Rosette. Thanks for watching. Please give us a like and subscribe. We've got three new videos or more for you every single week. Let us know what you thought of the video in the comments below. Follow On Point MMA on Twitter and have yourself a wonderful day.